Ladies and gentlemen, Guten Nacht and Bienvenidos to a very special grudge match edition of Uber Cinco. Friend of the show and host of the Maker and Me podcast, Alex Lovingood, has officially called out Uber Cinco's own Mitch Brinkman. Alex was listening to our Top 5 Regional Foods episode and was shocked and disgusted with Mitch's unhinged display, spewing nonsensical and frankly downright dangerous opinions, so much so that he called in last week to demand satisfaction. We knew the seriousness of the situation, demanded that we act accordingly. I suggested pistols at dawn. Alex came back with a much more reasonable idea of challenging Mitch to a brand new top five regional foods list. And so today, blood will be spilled in the Battle of the Gingers, Brinkman vs. Lovingood. Alex, welcome back to the show. This was your idea. You were upset and you have a pretty good track record on this show. You're, You're a formidable opponent. What do you have in store for us today? Hey, listen, guys, I got a top five, maybe a top ten. I don't know. We'll see how the show goes. I was just, I'm not even from Minnesota, but I was disrespected. Very disrespected by the lack of common decency that Mitch showed in that regional foods episode. The man is from St. Paul, Minnesota, and he didn't even choose, like, the staple sandwich, the staple burger of that area. I, I I feel like he shouldn't be allowed back in the state or at least to the state fair. <laughs> All right. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Mitch, your rebuttal, your opening remarks before we get started. Yeah, I just want to point out that you said the signature burger. So th- that's therefore a derivative of, of another food. But don't worry, Alex. I'm going to give you exactly what you're asking for today. There's going to be no surprises. It's just going to be a good old-fashioned beatdown. I've brought evidence, I've brought facts, I've brought opinions, I've brought stories. So get ready. You might want to put a blanket on so you can just sleep into slip into a deep, dark depression after this butt whoop and I so gently lay upon you with a Minnesota nice smile on the whole time. Enjoy. <laughs> All right. And in the interest of fairness, we're going to do things a little bit different today. We need judging to be as impartial as possible. So we have one judge from Uber Cinco. That's Brian Ernst, the Supreme Leader himself, <laughs> His Royal Highness. How you doing, Brian? Are you ready for this? I am so ready to do everything in my power to make sure the guy on our own team loses. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we are also so welcoming good. special guest judge from the maker and me. It's Chance Angles. Chance, welcome to the show for the very first time. We are happy to have you. Your thoughts as we get rolling here. I am so excited to be here. I feel like a little kid. But um, I'm also actually probably going against my own guy. So this will be very indifferent. It's going to be fun. The two seconds of the duel, self-sabotaging. Excellent. So how we're going to do this. We're going to dispense with the uh, the Uber stare downs today. This is the condition that has been requested by the challenger. And then we're going to have Brian be the judge on rounds five and three. It will be his sole discretion of how the scoring is carried out. Chance will have sole discretion of the judging on rounds four and two. In round one, it will be all to play for. There will be a maximum of six points available as Brian and Mitch, or sorry, Brian and Chance can both award a maximum of three points, minimum of one point. In the event that there is a tie, I will put on my uh, purple suit and my pearls, do my best Kamala Harris impression, and cast the deciding vote. That's how we're going to do it. After the winner is decided, 
We've set aside our differences, sang kumbaya, and joined in raucous laughter at my Fast Five send-off, the top five most embarrassingly named bands that I have played in. And don't forget, <laughs> if you have a topic or Fast Five or indeed smoldering resentment towards Mitch Brinkman, head on over to bizbear.biz to send in your submission. We may even cover your topic on a future episode. All right, Alex, the impetus is on you, the challenger, to get us started with your number five. So real quick, guys, let's talk about Mitch's home state for a minute, right? Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. He's a native Minnesota. You listen to Uber Cinco, he talks about growing up there, Mike's Liquor down on 3rd Street or whatever the heck that is, and going up to a cabin <laughs> with his family. On, on on the November 30th episode, this turd didn't even go back to his home state at all in the regional foods episode, and it was really upsetting to me. So my number five, guys, is a mainstay in all Minnesota church basements all post-funeral gatherings, and all weekend gatherings. Of course, you guys know I'm talking about Hot Dish. So now let me just real quick describe Hot Dish for you all. So Hot Dish, uh, it, is it a casserole? Maybe. Uh, it's a one-pot, one-pan meal, right? So you got a starch. You have your meat. You got some vegetables, canned or frozen or fresh. But then you're probably throwing some cream of cheddar in there, maybe cream of mushroom. Now, Mitch, the, these remarks to you are, are meant. I hope you take them personally. So you've <laughs> never had hot dish. I'm just assuming. I'm just going to assume that you've never had hot dish growing up, being privately schooled like you were. I'm just going to assume that you and your family turned up your noses at such a low life, low key dish that gained popularity, right, from budget minded farm wives uh, who needed to feed the family in a cheap and convenient one pan dish, right? Guys, hot dish is everywhere in Minnesota. It's such a staple in this state, guys, that there is a congressional. Did you hear me? The congressional folks get together. In 2010, Al Franken, that guy looks fucking weird, by the way. <laughs> he started the Minnesota Congressional Hot Dish Competition during the 2010 midterms. And wow, what names have won this, you guys? Al Franken himself has won. Amy Klubachar. Wasn't she a... Uh, a uh, uh, Democratic uh, uh, going for the presidency in the in the uh, the, the the midterm candidate C candidate. candidate is the word yes. they use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, and, and and check this out, uh, Mitch. What's your governor's name up there? Never mind. Tim you Waltz. don't know his name's Tim Waltz. Tim Waltz. <laughs> yeah. I just and guys, Governor Tim Waltz before he was the in the gubernatorial office, he won three titles. Guys, three titles. What years did he win? Oh, gosh, he won 2012, 2013, and 2017? Wrong. Oh, guys, 13, 14, and 16. There Thank you very go. much. Keep going. Oh, he didn't win. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, a three-peat. Guys, it's a dish yes, he did. so iconic that the fucking government panders to it. I rest my case. Minnesota hot dish, guys. What I love about this also is the name. It, there couldn't be just more simple... Like, oh, what's that? That dish is hot. That's hot dish. Which it sounds like a let distant me, cousin of dump cake. Yeah. You guys ever have dump cake? Yes. Let, let me set the scene for you, though, Nathan, real quick. All right. A far off high school uh, classmate of yours passed away, and you go to his funeral. You walk into the rose. I literally thought funeral. you were just delivering news to me for a second. <laughs> you walk into the Roseville Methodist uh, Church basement. You see your you see your your seven layer dip. You see, somebody brought chilies. Somebody went to KFC and got a family bucket because that's yeah. what people do. This sounds right. Missouri. <clears throat> and then you see a 
clear 8x10 dish that's smoldering, a little bit of bubbles coming from the cheese around the edge, and then it's just loaded with nice rows of tater tots. That's hot dish right there for you, bud. I have had this in the exact church basement that you just referenced. I'm not scoring this round, but that would have got a point from me. (laughs) I think so. This is a good start. You're going right for the jugular. You're going for Mitch's hometown. Mitch, what's your rebuttal here? What's your number five? My rebuttal is uh, actually a classic from the area-ish where Alex Lovingood spent his high school days. But the area, if 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 he weren't a greasy old stumblebum, because he wasn't lucky enough to live in Springfield, Illinois, which is where my number five comes from, the horseshoe. Oh, uh, this is a classic dish created at the Leland Hotel in 1920. You got two pieces of toast originally. On top of that, you put nails, a.k.a. French fries, and then you top that with a horseshoe-shaped piece of ham. Thankfully, they didn't look at it upside down. Otherwise, it would have been, I don't know, the U maybe. Then you top it with a Welsh rare bit, which is a beautiful cheese sauce made with mustard and uh, some beer. Um, hey, can, can we not eat chips while your opponent's trying to talk here? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, a pretzel. Okay. <laughs> Bite closer to the mic. That'd be great. Um, and uh, and but so this is a this is a um, such a um, an indicator of this part of the state uh, for for everything but the politics because of course Springfield has a wonderful history of politics, it being the capital, um, the, the 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 birthplace of of Abe Lincoln and whatnot. But this is such uh, a intensely horrible dish to try and eat you have to be drunk or hungover um it's just cheese sauce french fries fat uh texas toast um one of the great places that serves them right now darcy's pint down there in springfield they do buffalo they do cajun they do irish style uh but all of them uh result in horrifying mud but alex again please turn off your notification sounds my god have a little respect for your uh, for other people in in the game my lord um jesus christ what kind of nathan brian you ever bring me this bush league ass competition again i'm i'm gonna quit uber sync you're acting like we called you out we have nothing to do with this (laughs) (laughs) you accepted this challenge this is on you now Okay, but I, back to the horseshoe. I, Nathan, I yes? yeah, I want to I want to jump in here because I, I am from downstate Illinois, so this is something I have a lot mm-hmm. of experience. In. I've had horseshoes from two places, from Darcy's Pint, mm-hmm. where you mentioned. Yep, there you go. And then also every yep. two weeks for the first eighteen years of my life at our school cafeteria. And let me describe <laughs> that horseshoe to you. That was <laughs> the bottom half of a hamburger bun that was so soggy McDonald's mm-hmm. would have thrown it aside. Then you had a, a razor thin hamburger patty that could have cut diamonds. It was so well done. Then f- mm-hmm. the fries that are just like made out of starch, topped with simple yep. melted the like terrible nacho cheese that coagulates into a play-doh like substance after mm-hmm. about two minutes. And because it was mm-hmm. Roseville, and technically there were three different food groups on that plate. They didn't give us anything else with it. <laughs> and so that was that was my experience with the horseshoe growing up. So I thought I knew what a horseshoe was until I finally went to wow. Darcy's Pint when I was like in my 20s. And mm-hmm. it was much better. So this 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 is a nice walk down memory lane. Have you had a particularly good horseshoe in your life? Where was it? What were the circumstances? Paint me the picture. 
the I mean the, the the best one was at Darcy's Pint, and I got uh the the uh, chicken fried chicken breast, you know, or like pounded fillet. Um, you know, um, I I asked for the non crinkle cut French fries. I believe a straight cut French fry is the superior fry. Uh, that's, that's just, that's just is. Um, and then, uh, I went, I went pretty, pretty casual, regular cheese sauce. Um, th- their sauce doesn't coagulate so quickly, which is nice. Uh, and, um, and then the, the very thick, uh, Texas toast. I, th- I think I got the full horseshoe. I didn't need it. I think I maybe finished half of it. And then I directly got into a car and finished a car trip down to St. Louis. So um, I was apologizing to my car all the way down. But I just I too have had a, a Darcy's um, um, horseshoe. Uh, I had sure. one the day after celebrating uh, Jesse White's uh, 89th birthday uh, with, uh, you know, Governor uh, – Pritzker here, you know, there, there's me and Pritzker hanging out the day before his birthday oh, party. And then, uh, and then, you know, there's, uh, myself and, uh, Jesse White the night of his birthday, uh, you know, hanging out. And then okay. of course, you know, drunkenly hung over, went to Darcy's the next day. I got the breakfast or shoe. So it had eggs, Great. it had gravy, then I had the cheese sauce on top, but yeah, it's a good, uh, what time solid contester, man. <clears throat> what time of night does, does Jesse pull out the mat and ask you to do cartwheels for him? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really funny um he did have the, the tumblers come and do it but uh it was also uh george clinton uh was also the act that was playing uh so oh, i also boy. saw george clinton at jesse white's birthday at the it, governor's mansion Je- jesse white is for those of you who don't know uh for many years secretary of state of illinois and mm-hmm. famous for this uh group of of tumblers that uh yeah, they were tumblers. They were the Jesse White tumblers. They're very Jesse famous. White tumblers, yep. yeah. So that's what they're known for. Ages ages seven through sixteen, they really light oh, up the crowd at a what, at yeah. a Bulls halftime. The, the question um, we're not and, asking: What the hell was Alex doing at this party? <laughs> How did that come about? <laughs> I also have a lot was of photos like of a, me with uh, Mike Madigan and uh, uh, previous governor. Uh, uh, what the, what's the fuck the one guy's name before? Rod Blagojevich. Don't not Blagojevich. Don't say it. Let him find it. George Ryan. Let him find it. George, no, not George. Watch Alex stumble. Oh, Let's let him find you know it. Well, I'm just going to say it during the show at some point, and then we'll go back to it. <laughs> was was he one of our governors who has done jail time? Or? No, he was actually the most honest one. Okay. Bruce uh, Rauner? Bruce Rauner, yes, yeah. The most honest one? He was the most honest one? He was the people's billionaire. Let's not veer into Illinois <laughs> politics. Let's, was like, this has been a lot more guys. state representation. Let's score this round. So I, glad I don't you, want to you, talk you, about so Illinois politics. Yeah, let's All right. We need we need some points. All right. I said one of you is going to score. I think it was Brian. Brian, this is my doing. And this is going to be an Uber Cinco first, everybody. First of all, both of you picked sloppy diarrhea dishes to put on this list that I have to score. You look at a photo of a Minnesota hot dish or a horseshoe. It looks like something that's already been digested and reserved at your local gas station. So first of all, Mitch, I've had a horseshoe one time. It was one of the cafeteria horseshoes, not a Darcy's horseshoe. So my only experience is Wonder Bread Toasted. With ground beef from Taco Bell, basically, with old French fries and probably some sort of Velveeta nacho cheese on top of it. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. So I can only give you one point for the horseshoe. 
and Alex. Oh, Alex, you son of a bitch. Um, for masticating into the mic, uh, updating your all male only fans on the phone the entire time you've been on this, and calling Bruce Rauner the people's governor, you are getting zero the people's zero points for round one, an unprecedented zero points. For all of this upstaging shenanigans, I rest my case. One zero. Go on to number four. God damn it! I thought you were on my side. I was, and you ruined it. You ruined it in round one. So good luck the rest of the show. This is the risk you all take right. when you come on the show, Alex. You knew what you're getting into. Good. All right, Lord. Uh, let's 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 do the classic snake formation. Mitch, why don't you hit us with your number four? Sure. Yeah, um, guys. This number four is so goddamn epic and intense and powerful. It needs a music cue. Brian, please. I want some hots. I want some Nick Tahoe's hots. I want some hots. I want some Nick Tahoe's hots. All right, what was that? Get on What was that, Mitch? What did I just listen to? This... Nick Tahoe's Hot is the birthplace of my number four, and that is the Garbage Plate, which resides in Rochester, New York, which is a huge college town. And the Garbage Plate, it it, it serves the college population with excitement, with gusto, and has been doing it since uh, like the 70s or whatever. The name Garbage Plate was trademarked in 1992 by Nick Tahoe uh, himself. Mr. Tahoe, wonderful guy. Uh just makes a great meat sauce. Really nice guy. Um, doesn't have the internet, but he does talk on the phone. Super cool dude. Um, but uh, garbage plate. <laughs> it starts with a base. You got to have your base, um, and that is normally uh, you got home fries. You could do pasta salad, baked beans, mac and cheese, French fries, or some other kind of you know starch based item. Then next, you got your protein, which originally. Uh, the garbage plate was cut up hot dogs, very classy, but now they call it the hamburg, uh, which hamburger is the most popular choice these days. Um, some places do eggs, you could do fish, whatever, you know, your local bar, um, uh, American Legion uh, is offering at the time on their garbage plate. Um, and, uh, Alex, do you want to, do you want to pour your drink? Just into the mic. We were going to pour it onto the mic, maybe. Uh, maybe that would help a little better. Also, uh, Alex, can you but, just uh, tell us what you're drinking today? What was the term you used before we started the show? I'm drinking jug liquor right there now. There we go. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. M- Mitch, please con- please continue, Mitch. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, and and then, of course, and then after you get your, 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 your meat, your protein, then you top it with meat sauce and onions and bright yellow mustard. And uh, it wasn't this way in the beginning, but now traditionally it's also served with a bread roll or some slices to just sop up all those sweet, delicious juices. Um, and it th- this thing has an incredible history to it. People started making it originally in 1918. They called it Hots and Potots then. Um, basically what this is, is like, you know, a restaurant was like, we're about to close. People were like, we're drunk, we're hungry. What do you have? And they're like, we got some potatoes. We can fry those up and just a bunch of garbage to throw on top. And they're like, there's not enough flavor here. Can you put some mustard on it? And like, sure. Then they're like, my breath doesn't stink bad enough. Can you put some onions on it? And they're like, you got it, bud. And, uh, so the garbage plate is just a, you are worshiping at the altar of 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 vile, um, as Brian said, already digested gluttony. Um, and 
I I have never had a garbage plate in Rochester, New York, but I make my own garbage plates at home. I love Nathan. I've actually made you a garbage plate before. I, we've, I we've, recall. We've, we've all had your cooking before, Mitch. Yes, continue. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> Brian. I bow to you. Know I'm going to check out uh, you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. I you know macaroni is there for me. I like a ketchup Worcestershire meat sauce French fry thing. I, I like to I like to up the fancy a little bit with some caramelized onions. And I like green onions in mine as well, and then a bunch more ketchup, a little mustard to, to top, and then a nice chunk of bread to sop it up with. Well, I, but this I do, plate has – I do, I do want to do the, the, the rare thing these days and pay you a compliment, Mitch, because <laughs> that seems seems rare on this show over the last couple of weeks. People have come at you hot, so I'm going to give you a, a well-deserved compliment. The thing is, like, as well, disgusting you. as everything you've described with the garbage plate is – you are such an annoyingly good cook that it was very good when you made me a garbage plate. <laughs> it's true. You you and, and, somehow and, you told me what you were doing, and I was like, "This isn't going to end well." And then, sure enough, there's this masterpiece, and it was even presented well. Like I'm pretty sure you had like monogrammed my initials in it somehow. It was it was delightful. I always do. Yep. Nathan George Henson, NGH, right on top in 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 uh, in mustard. Yeah. Um, Wow. You know, and, and what it is also I like to do with my garbage plates, I like to hide a lot of vegetables in there too. So you feel like you're getting this wonderful um, rib sticking uh, hungover meal. But really you're also getting a lot of nutrients in there too. So uh, – but the garbage plate, if you listen to more of that song, Nick Tahoe's Hots, uh, there's a bunch of great Buffalo accents and they talk about going to the Buffalo Bills game a lot. And it sounds like a Bill Swirsky super fan song almost. So I, I highly recommend it. But also I just imagine though, uh, because I've heard stories from people who, who grew up in Buffalo, like going to Nick Tahoe's Hots on a Friday at like 11.30 p.m. would probably be like entering the 12th circle of hell, like your path of seven. It's like <laughs> – it's probably just the worst, you know, get it to go, uh, e- even if it's not COVID times. So uh, that is my number four. It is the garbage plate. I humbly place it uh, at your altar. Uh, and I also want to say there's a lot of messy foods on my list today. Yeah, so, Brian, uh, get ready for messy. <laughs> my just, right, it's, you, you just prepare for the judging rounds. Chance and I will not will not hold back. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right, Alex. Goodbye. Alex, that leads it to you. You're number four, if you please. Yeah. So, you know, this is um... – well, you know, it's your 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 garbage plate, your number four garbage plate and my number four are eerily similar. Uh, but there's just one difference is is mine's not reminiscent of a skillet that you get at breakfast. Mine is reminiscent of a sandwich. So, you know, depending on where you are in the Midwest, uh, the sandwich can be called the new way. It can be called the steamer, the big T or the loose hamburger sandwich, the tavern sandwich or just a made right. So my number four, guys, is something that I, I, I affectionately call and make probably two to three times a month, the loose meat sando. Now, a loose meat sando is a very, very messy dish. Um, and it, and it's, not, it's not a sloppy joe. There's a big difference between a sloppy joe. Sloppy joe, you're putting uh, maybe some... A lot more flavor into it. In yeah. yeah, flavor, uh, I think, is the word, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have a loose meat sando, and then we'll have a discussion about this. You know, sloppy joe... I've had them, they're gross. Cool, sounds good. I didn't, <laughs> do you guys recall me interrupting Mitch as much as he's interrupting me right now? That's weird. Not regardless, with words. <laughs> regardless, 
you know, sloppy Joe, you're putting tomato paste, all this stuff in there. Loose meat sando, guys. <clears throat> you're getting your ground beef. You're smashing that stuff up as like crumbly as possible. You don't want any big chunks. You want it as, as, as loose as possible. Salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, maybe some very fine diced onion in there. And then ready for it? I'm going to give you all a secret. You're not going to have to pay for this right now, but Dr. Pepper. Throw a, about 12 ounces of Dr. Pepper in there. Let that simmer down, simmer out. You're essentially getting the sugars created and concentrated in there. Uh, and then what you're going to want to do is you're going to take a bottle of mustard. And if it's not Plockman's, you can fuck off. <laughs> you're going to take a bottle of Plockman's. Uh, made in Mantino, Illinois. Uh, and you're going to dump about half of that bottle of mustard right onto that meat and you're going to swirl it up and mix it in there and you don't want this to be sloppy it's going to be a drier uh, sandwich than a sloppy joe and then you're going to put it on the cheapest bun you can find and you just pull it up there you're going to go bun you're going to go as big of a heat maybe four ounces of, of chopped meat and then you're going to get uh, some high v brand dill pickles and you're going to put about seven of those puppies on there and then you're going to then you're going to put Nathan George Henenfence NGH's initials right on top <laughs> uh, in mustard. Put the top bun on there and enjoy, guys. The loose well, meat sandwich, guys, is is a Midwest Iowa staple. It, it's it's Carol Dietz, a gal named Carol Dietz, started. She's the reason why it's here. She started it in Montana in about 1920. Okay, but then there was a gentleman named uh, Fred Agnow in 1926. He brought it to Iowa, to Muscatine, Iowa. You guys know what Muscatine, Iowa is, right? It's one of the Quad Cities. Yes, and he brought that's, that there that's true. The little restaurant that we all know and love these days called the Maid Right. And since then, guys, the loose meat sandwich has been a staple in the state of Illinois, or start, <clears throat> sorry, the state of Iowa, almost more than I don't know. Wow tenderloin maybe it's just such a delicious delicious sandwich it's messy yes it is but a loose loose meat sandwich is the ultimate all-american road feast guys and if you're ever lucky enough to have one at tasty or made right in muscatine you'll know what all the fuss is about may, may i ask a follow-up question yeah after you made me this that with the monogrammed you're you're i appreciate the generosity sorry i do want i'm just getting a little teary <laughs> I, I want some practical advice because I've had many of these over the years being a Midwestern boy. And I would say my all-time highest field goal percentage of actually getting the loose meat from the sandwich to my digestive tract is probably 35%. This shit gets everywhere. You're going to need a spoon. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like eating an Italian beef when you're in Chicago. So you have your bar. You're going to want to step back your legs about two feet back, but you're going to want your upper half to be still above the table or bar. That way, if you drop, it's going straight to the ground and not on your belly or your legs. In this um, amazing showdown of culinary masterpieces and delicacies, Chance has the unenviable task of scoring a sandwich you eat with a spoon and food that is literally called garbage. <laughs> Chance. And, I Let, can't wait. All right. What, um, what, what is your verdict? Well, Let us know. I'm just going to insult love and good right away. Um, so first off, you don't ever use a fucking spoon. So if you're going to eat the loose meat sandwich, you're going to eat the, your made right. You have your Lay's chips underneath on the plate. So as you're eating it and it falls all over that, now you have a second meal. It's pretty much white trash nachos and they're the yeah, best. Iowa nachos, yeah. So 
fucking and and like honestly the fact that even in your thing you mentioned the tenderloin but you still went with the loose meat sandwich is just weird to me and like so i think that loses you a point um but i do love this sandwich very much so on that grounds alone you get uh you get a point from me loving good but just one just one um, point just one um, <laughs> No, you offended me. You said a spoon. You're not eating oh it with a spoon. I'd rather see you use your fingers. How dare you? <laughs> and, oh, a uh, little secret. Use Dr. Pepper. Oh, my God. Fucking, that's genius. Um, <laughs> the sugar's caramelized, and they add uh, sweet. Did you learn that from, like, any old, like, white grandma? <laughs> yes, It's not that secret. It's not a secret. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> old Mitchy boy. <laughs> Mitchy boy, um, you for sure get a point just for the uh, intro. Uh, the music alone was fantastic, uh, and like the the garbage. It sounds terrible for me. <laughs> it sounds like I only eat so much tums. But uh, I don't know anything smothered and then has like a bunch of onions and things that just will make my breath terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. For some reason, always calls to me. So like I like that as well, but. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to give you two points. Congratulations. You get thank, two points Thank you me. very much. Thank you, Chase. Wow. We, we are off to on pace for our lowest ever scoring episode. So that's <laughs> when, we, when we literally I, structured uh, it so the scores would be higher. But yes, Mitch. Can I, um, just a few quick things. Uh, made right. I remember when it was a fucking hamburger. Number two, Muscatine is not one of the quad cities. It's Bettendorf. Uh, 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 Moline, what is that? Uh, Davenport and Rock Island. So I'm sorry. Again, wrong. Also, I've been to Maid Right in Muscatine when I was there in 2008 winning the election for Obama. <laughs> and I, I went there and I got a sandwich. I got two of them and I ate them and I went, huh, yeah, I think I'd prefer a burger. And then I went and I got a burger. So, so you, I ate, just, you ate three sandwiches? You <laughs> yes. I was a growing young man, and Obama's campaign was paying for it. So I was like, let's do it. And, 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 you know, as long as we're going back to talk about inconsistencies, uh, you called Springfield, Illinois, Abe Lincoln's hometown while he was born in, uh, what, spring something or other uh, Kentucky? So let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> But I, I I was gonna be the gentleman and let that go. But yes, that is that is true. I I, I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Alex, uh, keep keep us rolling here. Let's let's hear your number three. All right, it's a foggy day. You're up at five a.m. <laughs> which it's not which, foggy? Which oh, one of oh, us oh, is up at five a.m. <laughs> Still up at five a.m. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Yeah. All Still right. up. Let's all close our eyes. You smell salt water. It's a little bit briny. You're really enjoying the breeze coming off the ocean in New England, coming down from Prince Edward Island. You're out on a boat with a bunch of other ruffian-looking men, and you're going for clams. Guys, my number three is stuffies. New England's probably finest delicacy up there. Uh... Guys, I, I I was I, I was a down home, simply raised person. We didn't have luxury dinners loaded with lobsters and oysters and delicious seafood like Mitch did in his mansion. And I'm only assuming that he lived in a mansion since he went to private school and he owns more than one suit. 
stuffies. Stuffies are a northeast, a New England staple. Stuffies, for those of you who don't know, are a hard-shelled quahog clam. All right, you sh- you're going to go ahead and stuff that clam or shuck that clam. You're going to go ahead and mince up the meat. You're going to add uh, breadcrumbs. You're going to add uh, spices, onions, peppers, uh, different sausages, chorizo, uh, uh, bacon, uh, ground beef, kind of whatever you want. Oh, what are you around? And then you're going to take that, about two ounces of that. You're going to shove it back on the clam shell itself, and you're going to go ahead and oven roast that. And then out comes a a a piping hot mixture of just it, it, almost like a, a seafood ball of deliciousness uh, that's going to be briny and it's going to be spicy and it's going to be flavorful the stuffies guys you go up to any new england bar up there off the coast uh, uh, uh specifically matt's tavern now matt's tavern is in the town of uh, portland maine and Matt's Tavern is known for having some of the best stuffies in the, the Northeast, in the New England uh, uh, territory. Uh, fresh from the boat, you get these stuffies, and they come out, and, you know, sometimes you get a quahog shell that's the size of a size of a softball. And, and, and you get two or three of those in your belly and a couple of cold beers. I mean, what else can you have? You got a nice uh, uh, a salty breeze coming in off the ocean. Damn, that sounds great. Stuffy's been around forever, guys. There's no official. I, I looked up for an official, like, kind of who started it, where did it come from. But it's such a staple for that region that it's literally been around forever, all the way back to the uh, Indians uh, before, you know, Columbus came over and raped and pillaged everything. This this might be our first uh, first food that is not just a bunch of other food being thrown on top of a food, but it also kind of is that. So I, I really like it. I'm enjoying this. And Nathan, to your point, stuffies can be, they can be working class. They can be doctored up. You can go to a five-star mm-hmm. restaurant and get a good stuffy that has, you know, expensive clams and, you know, and, and fucking organic uh, fair trade green peppers that nobody asks for uh you know chopped up in there mm. so i mean this is literally an, an array of, of of things that you can use for stuffies you know between you know the highbrow mitch brinkman's to the lowbrow alex loving goods so have you have you been to matt's tavern in portland maine no i have not but i've had stuffies uh the closest i've been to having stuffies on the east coast was in uh in washington dc so okay <laughs> Were you there on a, on a uh, were you traveling with some other high profile Illinois politicians? Were you with Senator uh, Dick Durbin <laughs> that day? These are the people <laughs> you hang out with, I guess. I was with Dick Durbin, but I was with uh, I was with the oh, and you know what? I'm going to forget the Republican uh, uh, senator who denounced uh, Trump after the uh, Kinzinger. He voted uh, Kinzinger. I was I was I was actually uh, Adam Kinzinger gave me a tour of the Capitol, and then right after this, I went to. A certain spot and then after that we had dinner and we had stuffies so i i have never had a friend in my life who has surprised me more than you <laughs> i just <laughs> never know what you're gonna bring to the table hey, this listen, is... i look the way i do but i do what i do because i like doing it so can i uh, uh, can i offer a compliment here too i yeah, i don't think that's ever happened before on on ubersenko alex where someone delivers such a like a like a just a, a succinct beautifully written like passionate speech whatever about the but the, the one of the items are listing 
And then to have just to have complete silence afterwards. Um, <laughs> and just what? zero reaction. It's beautiful yeah, to see. I love it. That's First time ever. So <laughs> I'd like to hear you. Also, y- much. you said you said New England so many times. I was thinking, does he know what states make up New England? And then <laughs> you said Maine. Saying. So I was happy to hear that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, M- Mitch, keep this keep this energy going. Keep this energy going yeah, into into absolutely. your number three. Roll roll with yeah. it. My number three is a Midwestern party. You know what, Midwestern Mitch, I would like party. to offer a compliment yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Bring it up. Bring it up. Let's go. You look nice today. I like your shirt. So, yeah, continue. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm, 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 I'm actually kind of bummed you're hiding your hair tonight with that hat. I, I wish you'd take it off and let it flow. But... I chopped it off. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, my oh, God. No. Whoa. Holy shit. That, I'm, that's a surprise. I'm, Whoa. I again, you're you're the most surprising friend we have. <laughs> uh, Some friends, you didn't even know he cut his hair. <laughs> Good point. Jesus, Good point. Christ. All right, as Chance, as, as I, wonderful I, as, uh, as wonderful as, as as visual stuff is on a strictly audio format. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let's, let's let's have your number three, bitch. Sorry. Yeah, my number three is a. Uh, a wonderful party finger food staple. And that is one of my favorite uh, apps. That is the pickle roll up. This is, this is a dynamite party food. You'll find this all over the Midwest. Um, Classy parties, less classy parties. They're at all of them. You lay out some corned beef. You slather that bitch in some cream cheese. You put a big old fat dill pickle in there. You roll it up. You slice it. You serve. It is amazing. If you want to switch it up a little bit, you want to get some more German flavor in there, throw a little sauerkraut in the roll up. Put some Thousand Island in there. Make it spicy, as we say in the Midwest. Um, These are incredible because, again, you don't need a spoon to eat these. You don't need a napkin. You don't need a fork. You don't need a, 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 a silver knife. You just use your index and your thumb, and you'll know where they are at, at the Christmas party because all the brand-new sweaters will be huddled around it. Everyone's holding the glass of punch, trying to make small talk with their relatives as everyone's quietly having a race to see who can eat the most pickle roll-ups because they're a little bit of work. So pickle roll-ups do not last the whole party. So you've got to get on them early and quickly. So you will be having a conversation, trying to politely talk and shovel these things into your mouth. It is the savoriness of the meat, the creaminess of the cheese. And then, of course, that tang and that and that beautiful little pucker from the pickle. It is a perfect food. Again, I lay at your at your feet the humble pickle roll up thank you very much i i don't want to be, try and be too influential onto the scoring as that's not my role today but i will say that i am a fan of when finger foods are included on this um just simple brilliant no need for cutlery also did you know that humans just never had overbites until the fork was invented it just wasn't a thing but it's it's uh using forks that causes humans to have overbites bet you guys didn't even know that all right, that's enough education. Uh, any 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 rebuttal? I'm I'm a fan of the pickle roll-ups, Brian. Yeah, I know you're scoring this really round. I'm a fan of pickle roll-ups myself. So, um, I seriously, applaud you on this one. All right, well then, Brian, it's it's up to you. This is your round to score. I leave it to you, sir. As as much as I wanted to be a mean, influential Simon Cowley type judge, I can't for this round. 
because Mr. Loving Good, you had me at seafood ball of deliciousness and these things look phenomenal. So you're getting three points for this round. And Mitch, yeah. I, I really, really wanted to give you one point, not even hearing what the food was. But then you sold me. I fucking hate pickles. And this is the only food that gets me to eat pickles. So you got to get three points for this round. It's a hell of a pick. Three points for both you guys. Can, can, can I offer an aside real quick? Mitch, what uh, what brand of corned beef are you using? There is a right answer here. Probably go boar's head, I guess. I don't okay. know. I, I guess I, you know, you, you, I, I just go to the grocery store and get whatever that is there. Okay. But I, I, what's I would your like brand? to offer for, uh, see, and that's, that's, that's the highbrow money showing there because my family went for budding. Which was the, oh. the cheap one ounce packets that you got for ninety eight cents? Just saying that that's a very highbrow answer for Mitch to say boar's head, uh, where budding is, I think, the preferred corned beef. For a, a, a I don't think roll. anybody but, thinks it's the preferred. I want to give a, a brief status update on this show that's supposed to be about delicious food. And if you combine some of the dishes today, <laughs> we would have hot dish of garbage with budding. So <laughs> I'm not sure if we're achieving our goal here, but, but let's let's keep trying in, in the spirit of fairness. Well, sure. uh, yep. a- so Alex, let's two? yeah, Alex, give me your number two. Oh, gosh, guys. So the number two for today is. Is something so we're going back to DC, right? I was just in DC. I was with Adam Kinzinger, uh, <laughs> <our> Republican. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a little something coming out of DC called the half smoke. Right now, some people look and they go, "Oh, half smoke, that's a hot dog," and I'm like, "Well, no, it's not. It's not a hot dog. It's a, it's a sausage, right?" Well, hold on here. I got to pull up my my notes here that I have on this. Uh, Huh, what is a sausage? Let me look at sausage. <laughs> what is how, what is a sausage again? What is a Do sausage? They have oh, budding sausage. sausage? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, a half smoke is a is a local sausage delicacy. It's how started. to afford budding sausage? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck you guys! So, guys, the original half smoke is is considered to be distributed by DC Briggs and Company Mate Packers, and it originated right around 1950. Um, the uh, Raymond Briggs, the guy who started that, he started selling his half smokes in about 1930. Um, and 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 it's half pork, it's half beef, it's smoked. Um, it's a coarser grind, <clears throat> so it's not. It, it's a little bit wider. It's about the size of a bratwurst, um, but you know, with, with, with a nice casing on there. And they're going to smoke these. Uh, it's a smoked sausage, and then what typically will happen is they finish them off on a flat top, guys, and they get a nice sear on both sides. Um, and a show of hands, has anyone been to Ben's Chili Bowl in Washington D.C.? Uh, I have, yes. Uh, <sighs> Guys, Ben's yep. Chili Bowl is the the epitome of the best half smoke in DC. So you're what you're going to get here is you're going to get a half smoke. You're going to get a nice bun, uh, you know, of of no, just a you know flour, water, uh, a regular old bun. <clears throat> you're going to get they call it chili, um, and as a chili champion, I would argue that it is a chili. It is a it is a no bean. Which my award-winning chili is no beans, so I'm not arguing no beans or beans here. I'm not taking a side here, guys. Let's not get political. Get off my back, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it is a no bean meat sauce, uh, a little bit sweeter. 
and they're going to put onions on here. They're going to put some peppers on there and mustard. And the half smoke is just one of the absolute best. I mean, this is hyper regional, if you will, because DC is kind of where this originated. I mean, you've got a good snap. You've got good flavor. You've got that umami of pork and sausage, uh, a pork and beef coming through in this bite. <clears throat> you have the sweetness of, of the, the meat sauce that's flavored up. You have the tang of the chili. And then if you go to this DC staple, you have Ben and Virginia, the owners and founders of this place. Rest in peace, Ben. Rest in peace, Ben. That 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 slave twenty four hours a day to give these half smokes to the people. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I've I've had I've had this I've had this. Is, I, I, it, I went to DC. Was I was in DC fine. about four years ago, three years ago, and we went to Ben's Chili Bowl for five nights. Is that Mitch yawning? Oh, oh that's sorry. Funny. I. We went to I, Ben's I Chili Bowl and had a half smoke uh, literally for five nights. And every night I ordered two half smokes and then uh, chili cheese fries with half smoke chopped up on top of it. Uh, the half smoke, guys, is is a I mean, it's not been around long. But Mitch, you talk about Barack Obama quite often on the show, how you helped him win the election. Barack Obama himself <laughs> has has been to Ben's Chili Bowl and named it a, a local legend, a, a place where you should go once in your life because of the half smoke did he mean what that is just go there go there once because once is enough or <laughs> oh, no, five nights a week I, I, my, my digestive tract was fucked that entire week, but <laughs> it is, it is. so here was the situation i got a a, a tour of the capitol uh, pre <laughs> yes, know, as, as you Kinsinger. scarcely mentioned every five minutes on the show today, yeah, <laughs> we went to uh, we went to uh, Ben's Chili Bowl. And Wait, what went, was this? What, what was this tour from uh, from Speaker uh, Denny Haster? Was that was you just <laughs> it was me and Mitch people? McConnell. Uh, oh, okay, time. yeah, no, yep, the turtle himself. <laughs> but guys, I, I rest my case. The half smoke is a regional delicacy. I. I it, and maybe I scored it high on my list because it's one of my favorite foods. Anything encased that it, that is in a in a form where you can easily insert it into your mouth uh, in a bun with a good sauce on top, I'm going to enjoy. But also, this is a messy food, so so that's a that's a pretty broad category you've just described. Uh, <laughs> food, Even if it's made out food of food that he can insert into his mouth is that's high on hey, his list. Hey, chance. Just so you know, I know that you love hot dogs, so what's up? A <laughs> <laughs> lot, of, lot of innuendo could be read yeah. into that. All right. Uh, <laughs> phallic looking, going into his mouth is his preferred food of choice. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Mitch, we, we, we've got to have your, your riposte, please. Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I, I have a feeling like we're not going to have any... Um, Southern barbecue on this list between the two of us. I, I would have thought maybe a brisket would have gone there. Um, but this number two of mine is the closest there is. And that is the beautiful barbecue tradition of whole hog barbecue. Now this happens pretty much in just the uh, Carolinas and Tennessee. Um, and this dates back to, I mean, for the U S ancient, I mean, this is like goes back to the native Americans 
and then it became uh, more widely popular when um, African Americans would uh, do whole hogs on plantations to celebrate big life events. And um, this is a, a an insanely delicious way to cook a to cook a pig. It is a wood fire. If you do it quick, like they do in the Carolinas, you do it in twelve hours, a little higher heat. Uh, that crisps up the skin a little more. You chop that that puppy up with the with the meat when you're serving it as well. If you go west to Tennessee, they're gonna take a full 24. The skin's gonna stay a little softer, a little more pliable. Um, but uh, I, I highly recommend if you are interested in this, check out uh, Netflix. Uh, was it Chef's Table Barbecue, whatever it's yeah. called? Rodney Scott. Rodney uh, Scott doesn't. Yep, does an incredible whole hog barbecue. Um, but what I love about this is that uh, basically it's just putting the meat on a fucking platter on a on a on a on a stage and saying this is it. This is this is all you need. Maybe a little um, vinegar sauce to to bring out the flavors of the of the the sparing seasonings you you've applied to the pig. Um, and I have not been to Rodney Scott's in Charleston. Uh, or in Hemingway, the, the original location. Um, I hope to one day. That is a place that is on my holy grail of food stops here in America. But what I have done is I have been on a team of three that's cooked a whole hog in an underground pit, and I've done it twice over. And it is a hell of a job, but when it is done, it is incredible. This one, we we dug a pit. You make wood uh, coals. You put a chunk of metal down. You wrap a pig in burlap that's been soaked. You season that that uh, uh, mother oinker. Uh, put another chunk of metal on top. More coals, and then you bury that bitch. Um, so that bury that hog. Excuse me. Um, and then you let it sit overnight. And then you and then you dig it up. And that is brunch, baby. That's a whole pig brunch. Um, it is. There is no better feeling than. Than just like flopping out a giant cooked pig on a big wooden table outdoors in Kentucky where I was. Everyone having a knife, cutting off hunks of pork, sauce right there, cold beer. And then when one of the people in your party, a fellow named Charlie, uh, he has a really nice sharp knife, uh, carefully cuts off the face of the pig, a la the CPR doll in the office episode, puts uh-huh. it on his face and runs around scaring people. And then hides it away and takes out at night and scares people again uh, in the woods when they're walking down to the lake uh, to smoke dear, a joint. Dear uh, God, <laughs> I was Mitch. I was I was gonna. I had two follow up questions. I had jotted down here, and they were yeah. gonna be one. When was this? Two. Why was your phone broken? Because obviously, we're eating this d- delicious ditch, and your phone was working. You would have called me, and then you told me this <laughs> this knife and pig face stuff, and I'm no longer upset. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This was Nathan, in the deep also, woods. He was also standing outside of your window at that night too. So. <laughs> Stro- stroking the pig's face. <laughs> Actually, there there are pictures of Mitch. I believe there are a sophomore year in college. There was a series of photos in the infancy of Facebook where Mitch mm-hmm. had had cut a face out of a piece of lunch meat ham and was like <laughs> sticking his face yeah. around the corners. I've seen this photo. <laughs> They were they yeah. were taken by by our dear friend Brad Barry, I believe. So yep. this is Mitch is the only person I know who has two stories of having pork plastered onto his face late at night. <laughs> <laughs> and I I I can also say uh, when we buried the pig to cook, I um I can't remember what it was that I was drinking. Probably like uh whiskey shots or something 
Um, we were in the woods of Kentucky where you don't get cell service. Um, and, uh, I was jumping over the fire that we had started to create the coals. Uh, and they were like, why are you doing that? And I was like, ah, I'm drunk, you know, running around like an idiot. Um, and, uh, don't really remember, don't really remember jumping over the fire. Uh, that's, that's how many, uh, sheets the wind I was, but then waking up in the morning, one of the worst hangovers ever. And I was woken up by the scent of hog. And, um, <laughs> that, that is a wonderful hangover breakfast right there. Just delicious, fatty, greasy pork, uh, and, and, a, and a nice cold beer to nurse it all down to. So that is my number two. Again, this is a list of humble foods from honest, good people. And I lay it at your altar. Please take it. Please enjoy it. And oh, share good it with you. Thank you very much. Highbrow caviar eating multi <laughs> owning mansion living in son of a bitch this is the the, the same guy that that once oh. uh got ridicule on a film shoot for ordering a, a <laughs> what was that pizza it order was a green Pedro. olive and ricotta pizza we asked him to order pizza for everyone Usually you'd get a cheese, a sausage, and a pepperoni. This man orders a ricotta and green olive pizza, and he will never, then, ever live it down. And then all of a sudden today, it's it's food that's literally called garbage and shit that's been buried underground for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. I have, I have, a, right, quick, we, I have a, a quick anecdote before you get to the... Uh, the I, I don't know when I'll be able to tell a, a whole hog story again. I remember being mm-hmm. at a, a family or work gathering, whatever. They were cooking a whole hog in the forest preserve or whatever. And I remember going up to him being like, does the pig still have a tail? I'm like 11 years old. And the guy goes, <laughs> yeah. And he goes up, he grabs the pigtail, he cracks it off with a crunch, and it pulls part of the ass with it, and he gives it to me like a fucking ice cream cone, to tail side down. <laughs> so I'm walking around with this pigtail and part of its ass in my hand, going to my parents, I'm like, look at this, I got the pig's tail. <laughs> that is burned in my mind for all it's worth. You, <laughs> wow. you, you get three wishes granted to you if you get part of the ass pulled off with the tail. That's I, I mean, there I was wow. with my goddamn hog butthole cone that was just I was not expecting to have. So oh, good lord, wow. where do we go from there? Uh, I don't know. Ch- chance chance bring restore some sanity, chance. We need some scores. Please Hit us with the scores for round two. I don't know where to go with after that wonderful eating ass story. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, Mitch, honestly, I've never got to do one of those. I've always thought that'd be the coolest thing to cook a whole pig. I don't know why, but uh, just you talking about like cutting it off and everything and just eating like a savage. That appeals Mm -hmm. to me because I look like I'm kind of caught somewhere between like being a fully like developed human and like somewhere between that and Neanderthal. So like, I would love, <laughs> I would love to do that. Wrong, yeah. yeah. Shut up. You cut your hair. You don't have power anymore. Um, so that, that alone sounds amazing. Then you're just describing the fact that someone cut off the pig's face and wore it. And mm-hmm. you said like ice cold beer twice. And I don't know why, but just the basic like white dad me was like, yep. So you get uh, three points. <laughs> Um, love and good. Uh, you son of a bitch. You know, my love for dick looking foods and man, I just, (laughs) I I love hot dogs and that sounds like the best version of it. And, um, but I think for a minute there, you thought that, uh, you got points 
for every time you said the name of the food you were representing. And I just wanted to let you know you don't, so you didn't need to say it 14 times. Uh, <laughs> but good news, good news, uh, you still get three points. All right. Ooh, yeah, baby! All right, we are we are moving. It is still anyone's game. It is all to play for. As we stated earlier, points are going to be doubled here, potentially, as both Brian and Chance will be giving up to three points as we enter our number one round. And, oh boy, who do I want to start with? It's going to be fireworks either way. And I think, uh, <laughs> for those of you who are not on the YouTube feed right now, <laughs> Alex has placed a bottle of champagne very prominently within his uh, picture here on our chat. He is anticipating, and Mitch is now drinking champagne. <laughs> this is actually happening. The overconfidence from both contestants is staggering. <laughs> And Mitch, oh, Mitch has now demonstrably proved the bottle of champagne is already empty. So we are. <laughs> this is this is getting out of line in a hurry. I must. Oh boy, it, this is going to be epic. I, I think. I think, Mitch, There's I'm going to have. Many, there are way too many cocky redheads in this call. Right <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Mitch to give the number one first. Then we'll go over to Alex. There's going to be some controversy on both ends. I anticipate Mitch, please, your number one and your redemption grudge match top five regional foods list. Yeah. All right, Alex. This is what you wanted, right? This is what you wanted. This is the whole challenge. This is why you called in and, and interrupted our, our fucking fireworks show we were doing. We were on a roll, and you called in. You stumbled through our virtual room and just had to I yell recall, and throw, I recall and I throw your poop in, against the wall. If um, I recall, I called in and, and saved Brian from having to talk about your stupid fucking haircut conversation again. So. <laughs> That was a book. That was a published, a self-published book about men's haircuts, and it was backed up with evidence. And excuse me, one second. Uh. That was a champagne victory. Um, <laughs> my number one. Okay. Celebrating Alex, Alex, how are how are you throwing shade about haircuts now when you just chopped off that glorious mane in a moment of madness? That's. Listen, You're getting out guys, of line, my friend. As many of you know, my, my daughter was born prematurely, so I wanted to have some good photos with her. I don't know. I cut it into a mullet, and I fucking had a moment of weakness, and I cut it off. I can't, I can't bullshit here. <laughs> I'm saying, like, do you want to bring up your cancer, too? Like anyone else real quick? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jeez, you got, you got any dead relatives you'd like to shout out before we do round any one? Any other politicians? <laughs> Yeah, no, but I would like to shout out the Maker and Me podcast because we call we talk to people that make shit, and I went and got my haircut by Derek Simpson, and that motherfucker, Chance, your hair looks great by the way. That guy, his hands just getting the, the your locks, guys, and you just say go for it, Chance. You've had your haircut four or five times by him. You can agree with me here. Yeah, I didn't even mean to either. He just like grabbed me and just <laughs> running his fingers through my hair. I was like, "What's going on?" Kissed me on the neck. Barber. I was like, first "That's not COVID safe." First haircut in five years. He did a hell of a job. Uh, all right, but before Alex tells the story about how he was sitting next to Kennedy in the parade when he was assassinated, <laughs> let's let's have Mitch's number one. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Alex, here it is. Number one. 
uh, is the is the is is the juicy Lucy. Um, psych, 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 psych. No, no, my number one, because a juicy Lucy is just a derivative of a hamburger. My number one is a true Minnesota motherfucking dish, and I'm gonna do it way more justice than you did at number five, and that is tater tot hot dish. Okay. First off, when you mentioned. The ingredients for hot dish. You said cream of cheddar. Cheddar is made out of cream. You don't cream cheddar. It's already cream. <laughs> it's cream of mushroom or cream of chicken, perhaps. Maybe cream of celery. There is no thing. There's nothing called cream of cheddar. That is not a real thing. Yeah. Okay. Number two. You got to have a starch in there. Of course, the tater tots on top. And also, if you're putting canned vegetables in your tater tot hot dish, you are not Minnesotan. You are from Iowa or you are from Wisconsin because you don't care about your children and you are willing to pump them full of sodium. <laughs> <laughs> I am what, sorry. What, I, what worse sorry. insult? I, there's no worse insult in the, the lexicon of Mitch Brinkman than saying you're from Iowa or Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm not listening to any more of this. Whether you call tater tots, potato gems, potato royals, potato pom-poms, hash bites, Mexi nuggets, tachos, spud puppies, tater treats, oven crunchies, tasty treats, tasty taters, whatever you want to call them, they are the centerpiece of this, and they make this an otherworldly dish when they crisp up hot on top. They were invented in 1957 by the Orita Potato Company. Everyone knows that. Um, also, loving good, I also have a note here, too. Uh, uh, Klobuchar is how you pronounce uh, Senator uh, Amy's name. Klobuchar. Thank you. I didn't um, for her, so. Well, well, you can because you're not from Minnesota. That makes <laughs> yeah, a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> and but, but he uh, also he did take her to homecoming, though. Little known fact. <laughs> oh yes, yes, of course. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, also this is. This is a beautiful food because you also – you keep talking about I, – I don't know. I don't know what it's like because I can't see the ground from my ivory tower. You know, All I can see is the stars from my own solarium in my mansion, You know that, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the inside of a grocery store looks like because uh, <laughs> Coleman, Coleman goes and fetches all of my, my, my organic – uh, but my organic vegetables that nobody asks for, but you know we have whole corporations uh, dedicated to them, but nobody asks for them. Nobody asks for them. Um, but the truth is, both sides of my family are dairy farmers. I come from the sloshing dairy bucket. I know I've used that term before, but it is very true of Minnesota. My family is from Lake Wobegon. The, the the fictional <laughs> tale town that a whole goddamn radio show was based on and was successful for multiple decades on. So I take issue with your characterization of of Mansion Mitch because that is not true. You you come to Minnesota, you see my house. I come from a hard scrabble upbringing. My grandfather walked eight miles uphill both ways. <laughs> To school, to work, to his second job, and then back home to the farm again, where he would harvest every night. And now, let even me in the spring, nobody does know how farming works. <laughs> in Minnesota, we don't drink while we farm. We have incredibly efficient farms. We can harvest every single goddamn night. But if here, I was harvesting in January, I need to drink. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> 
But you left out a lot of key points about Hot Dish, and that is, one, it can be made many different ways. What you didn't mention in the Minnesota Congressional uh, Hot Dish Off, as it's called, is that you know, you could put um, uh, Representative Ellison won one year with a with a mayo with a Miracle Whip uh, hot dish, which is insane to me. Right? It sounds insane, but I bet it's delicious. Uh, uh, Representative Benny McCollum won with a wild rice hot dish. I mean, you can go any direction you want because wild rice is actually quite classy. That might be the classiest thing in Minnesota. But the origin story, the gritty tale that could be made into a Marvel movie of the hot dish is this. It originates at the Grace Lutheran parish right there on 4th Street in Mankato, Minnesota. Now, supposedly, Catherine Anderson's sister, Mary Olson, had the original name and recipe for hot dish, you know, because she'd have to tell her kids, back off until it had cooled down just a bit, you know, but once it was ready to eat, the speed at which the hot dish would disappear is, of course, stuff of legend, and that's why it's as popular as it is today. Now, Catherine presented the hot dish recipe as her own for the Grace Lutheran Church's Ladies' Aid Cookbook. We all know this, of course, 1930. And the backbone of the dish was there, a cream soup, a starch, protein, and some veggies. But, you know, remember, tater tots weren't invented until 1957. So if anyone tries to tell you that it was Margaret Halpern of Immaculate Lutheran over on 2nd Street, not true. And I read online in some forums that some folks are claiming it was Mary Lou Helgerson who brought the first hot dish to Dick Rembach's funeral at at Bethlehem Lutheran over at 2nd Liberty. Also not true. It was Catherine Anderson who technically presented the first public hot dish by way of her sister Marie's recipe, of course, at the bake sale to send the GLC choir to the Twin Cities so they could sing in front of the Christmas tree in the IDS building. I go on and on. Everyone knows that, of course. Case closed. So this, of course, is the best food on this list, both of these lists. It's the only thing that has a congressional annual contest attached to it. Um, Also, you um, kept saying uh, Tim Waltz. His name is Tim Walls. There's no T in there. I I, I urge you to read names before you try and say them out loud. Um, and <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> lastly, I just want to say hot dish is a meal that brings people together. You put it at the center of the table, the steam rises, everyone looks to the heavens, reminded why they're put on this earth. And that is to enjoy a hot, savory, delicious dish like tater tot hot dish. Thank you very much. That's it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, hot dish, the dish that brings people together to debate which aggressively white woman threw a bunch of shit in the oven 80 years ago. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, uh, thank you, Mitch, for that that, that beautiful and heartfelt uh, defense of your choice. I knew this is something that had been weighing on your mind for a long time. It was a pleasure to see you get it out there. Full-throated, full-throated defense. Thank you very much. Full-throated were not words I was going to use, but we'll go with them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Alex, it is over to you. I hope you, once again, (laughs) for the pleasure of us all, will use your full throat. (laughs) That... That that sentence got worse to me the more I... The further I got into it. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, Alex, number one. (laughs) My number one is, is is just two words. Actually, it's just one word. My Corn words. dip. No. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ooh. Uh, there's been a little bit of alcohol flowing over here in the Cheeseburger Monday studios. But <clears throat> let me get my list back up here. Guys, my number one is is a is a simple thing, but it's known worldwide. It's known everywhere. It's the cheeseburger. Right? Yes, it's, we know what that is. Yeah, we we I have heard of it. Yeah. That's it's no wow. secret that Alex Lovingood likes cheeseburger. I, I once famously ate five cheeseburgers and two hot ham and cheese sandwiches in one setting at uh, Paul's Tavern in Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, there was no meth involved in that decision. <laughs> <laughs> but being in Dubuque, it was it was likely going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, the, the cheeseburger is a is is the most iconic regional food ever it is known everywhere you could walk into the chilies and say give me a cheeseburger you could walk into barntown brewing company and say give me a cheeseburger i i think this i think this might be what defines it as not being a regional food as if it's known (laughs) everywhere listen to me here it is a worldwide phenomenon the cheeseburgers but if you break down what a cheeseburger is there are so many regional cheeseburgers i just had to give my top five regional cheeseburgers, if that's Ooh, okay. The top five within the top five. Let's go. Okay, guys. So we're going to uh, 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 we're going to go to number five real quick. We're going to go the Crown Burger. You've got your four ounce patty. You've got that grilled on a nice flat top, lettuce, tomato, onion. But what Crown does, guys, is they top it with hot steamed pastrami, and they put that on there. And no cheese involved. It's one of the best. And I've had this one. I've not had it in Salt Lake City, but I've had it made at Barntown. And it is an absolutely fabulous, fabulous burger. It's been on Manfred's Food, the official best burgers of Utah. It is, is absolutely one of the best. <laughs> And, and, and what a what a great four minute episode of television that was. <laughs> so my number four favorite regional cheeseburger, guys, is the Connecticut steamed cheeseburger. So the Connecticut steamed cheeseburger, guys, it, it, and it's not made on a flat top. It's not made on a, a Weber grill. What you're doing here is not pan fried or grilled. It's made in a stainless steel cabinet containing trays that hold either. It's 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 like a you put your patty in there. It's usually a square. You put a hunk of white cheese castle. on top. Of it. It's just white castle, right? <laughs> okay, if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind letting me finish. I don't remember. Any, Sorry. You know, okay. Interrupting okay. you. Thank Sorry. you. Yep. Um, not white castle. <clears throat> we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's literally a cabinet uh, with with pans in there. Typically, there's about three or four slots in there. They put the uh, 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 the, the the meat in there, and it's steamed in there. But all of the fat ju- drips out. The end result is a moist, juicy burger that is scooped by scooping the meat onto a bun and then pouring, almost like a rachoulet, like a French rachoulet cheese, pouring that melted cheese over the burger. You put your bun on top. You add your shredded lettuce. You maybe add some LTO on there. You're good to go. <clears throat> and your number three? My number three cheeseburger, guys, is the Slug Burger. Like many of my dishes... These were born out of necessity because, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've chose a highbrow dish yet today. I'm like Mitch. Um, everything that I have is, has been chosen out of necessity. Uh, a slug burger, originally called the Weeks Burger, guys, um, was, 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 was a gentleman. Um, 
<clears throat> named John Weeks went into his butcher and he said, hey, I need this amount of ground beef. But hey, if you wouldn't mind, throw some potato flakes and flour in there. And then he would make his hamburgers because what they're doing is they're extending the life. They're 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 getting more out of the 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 process than just the beef, right? And so they'd smell these small hamburgers called Weeks Burgers earlier than the 1950s, but really the 50s is when it became thing in the South. Uh, grits became a, a thing that they would mix in with the beef. Um, and the term slug burger came along because uh, the slug was a nickname or a slang term for a, uh, something that was about the size of a nickel, which is what they would serve these burgers as. So the slug burger, guys, is an absolutely phenomenal uh, uh, starch and, and meat burger substitute in there. <clears throat> wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Was Did it cost a nickel or it was the size of a nickel? It cost a nickel. Sorry, I apologize. Got it. Okay, okay, yep, okay. Yep. Uh, my number two favorite regional burger, guys, is the Oklahoma Fried Onion Burger. And Mitch, I'm going to look at you in the eyes here. Yes, this is yep. similar to a White Castle, but White Castle dices their onions. Um, what we're doing with the Oklahoma uh, uh, Fried Onion Burger is you're going to slice these whole. You're going to get those nice ribbons of onion. You're going to put those down on your hot flat top, get those nice and crispy. And then literally you're putting your four ounce patty right on the flat top, right on those onions. You're getting that char of the onion. You're getting that umami and that nice beef flavor from the beef. You're throwing maybe some pickles, maybe some mustard on this burger, but maybe a potato bun because potato buns, guys, they, they, they soak up that juice much better than anything else. And then, of course, the reason we're all here today. This is truly the moment that we've all been waiting for on this show. This is why the whole episode is happening, is for you to bring this home. Mitch, you have a thought said, here before we get started? Yeah. Uh, so before he started this top five within the one list, he said the cheeseburger, and he's listed multiple burgers on this list that don't have cheese on them. Just I want to point that out. That. Keep going. It's an, yep. it's an interesting, so it's an interesting that, thought. That cheeseburgers are a ubiquitous term here. You can have no cheese. Cheeseburger is a term... Uh, that, that, that kind of encapsulates. It's a burger it's with cheese. Just say burger, then. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Hamburger, hamburger is awesome. Hamburger, yeah. hamburger. Yeah, okay. hamburger was that. a was a perfectly valid word for many years. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> so the number one regional burger. <laughs> is Minnesota's favorite the juicy Lucy, which is actually a cheeseburger, not which a burger. You could argue it's a cheeseburger. <laughs> The cheese inside the meat instead of on top of it, resulting in a melted core of cheese. Now, Mitch, you probably know this, but a lot of people may not know this. But there's two bars in Minneapolis that claim to be the inventor of the burger. And those two bars are Matt's Bar and the 5-8 Club. Mitch, have you been to both of those bars? Just real quick, if you wouldn't mind. I have, yep. So I've I, I, I've only been to Matt's. I've not been to the 5-8 Club, so... I will say you have me there. Uh, these bars, guys, they're literally on the same street. They're uh, Cedar Avenue in South Minneapolis. <clears throat> Matt's credits the bar's former owner, Matt Bristol, of being the first one to start the Juicy Lucy. He purchased the bar in the 50s, and the Bristol family claims that the burger was on the menu before they purchased it, right? Um they say that the, the version of the burger, the Juicy Lucy, was invented by a customer. Uh, he said, hey, uh, slab that uh, cheddar cheese in between two patties. And he goes, ooh, that's one Juicy Lucy. 
<laughs> after you've been <laughs> um, Now, if you're asking me from the outside, I would say that Matt, Matt's, Matt's bar is the originator here. The 5-8 Club, while they claim to be the original uh, just because they opened up as a speakeasy in the 1920s, they do not offer a, a written origin story of the Juicy Lucy. <clears throat> Guys, listen. Cheeseburgers are regional. Cheeseburgers are universal. Everyone eats cheeseburgers. <laughs> Listen, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure you know what both of those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> cheeseburgers are so regional that they've become a universal thing where you can go to, oh, okay. to McDonald's and get a, 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 a cheeseburger. You can go to Thailand to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger. <clears throat> With all of these, they're still McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Let me listen here. God damn it, the liquor got to me tonight. <laughs> Cheeseburgers started by people like Matt Bristol. They they, they started by by uh, uh, the the Pete's that does their um, steamed burger in Connecticut. They started by uh, Henry J. Uh, down in, 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 in Alabama who did the slug burger. They started these phenomenons and they grew. These are local regional things that grew into a phenomenon. You wouldn't have a cheeseburger today if it weren't for the regionality that started them. I rest my case. Cheeseburgers are the number one or hamburgers. Fuck you, Mitch. For some <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, that, that is it. One, I'm not done talking yet. Are the number one regional food there is? Because while they are everywhere, you go to anywhere in Illinois or in America, and you will find a regional (laughs) cheeseburger. You go to the Lacey Edge Burger that are popular in Northwest Indiana. You go down to Mexico or sorry to Florida to get the Cubanos. Uh, uh, The Cubano. uh, Oh man, I'm having a brain fart here. You you could go to Cuba to get Cubano food, also. Uh, <laughs> all right that's it i'm calling time on this arguments have been made our two contestants have valiantly duked it out we are here at the point where we need to have a score from round one chance you are our guest judge please give us your scores for round one then we'll move over to brian and we'll tabulate the finals let's hear what you got to say well fuck i forgot what mitch said loving good talk for an hour and a half <laughs> I mean, all I remember from Mitch's at this point was he pretty much said, like, fuck Iowa. And that just makes me not want to help him. But then Loving Good, you know, called out my hometown and said the meth comment. So I'm, like, back on, like, I don't really want to help either of these guys. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give old Mitchie poo. I'm taking away a point for the Iowa hate. And you're lucky. That's me being very generous. And it's only because I pretty much forgot what you said. Um, <laughs> but you were, uh, I do remember you were rather detailed with the history of the, uh, old their, uh, hot dish. And so I will, uh, I'll give you two points, uh, love and good. I was very willing to give you three points and then you talked for an extra 30 minutes. So I'm going to give you <laughs> one point. All right. Wow. All right. Those, those are the scores from chance. Our guest judge, Brian. Please provide us with the scores for round number one. Now, I am a man of integrity. Uh, I said we started by describing horseshoes and hot dishes as diarrhea plates. So Mitch decided to bookend his list. Uh, We started with diarrhea. We're ending with diarrhea. 
and you used about 40 terms to describe what everyone only calls a tater tot. Nobody calls them <laughs> gems or whatever fucking bullshit you said. No, 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 no. Out of your state. Yeah. With a place where you play duck, duck, gray duck. I'm not taking anything from what you say. Seriously. You said your grandpa goes uphill both ways. Your family doesn't know how to use a map. So I don't understand why he does that. So I'm going to go with one point for that. For uh, Alex, you said, quote, beef flavor from the beef. You also said that these were universal <laughs> regional foods. And as one of the editors of this show, I have to cut around your black lung. So only one point for you as well. <laughs> when you also, do the Instagram also, post, can it just be a quote from Love and Good and it's just... <coughs> <laughs> and he, literally literally he just lit a cigarette <laughs> after we, we roasting him for coughing through the whole episode you and guys, he just lit a cigarette you guys are stressing me out <laughs> that's actually what he just did that was that was the game theory optimal move from love and good oh dear god all right I have to I have to tally the scores. I have a couple other things I tallied. I was counting all the words that we said over this entire episode, and I can tell you that four of the top ten in our food episode were slug, garbage, butt, and diarrhea. So very appetizing, boys. That's delicious. Uh, I'm going to do just some final math here, and uh, oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, beer. Well, Alex, you came on this show. You called out Mitch. You had it all on the line, and I can tell you you scored nine points. And Mitch, you're a man who believes fully in home court advantage. You protect your gold. You're like a leprechaun protecting your gold on home court. That was actually a metaphor that my freshman year basketball coach used. I still don't know what it means entirely, but you scored 12 points. You have defended the honor of yourself and Uber Cinco. You are the victor. As as the winner, Mitch, I believe you are entitled to make a little a little speech, a little toast, whatever you deem sure. necessary. The floor is yours. Uh, here I have a, a glass of champagne. You hear that, that 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 tink on the microphone? That is a beautiful <laughs> glass of Bellator Gran Spumante. Um, it is uh, uh, champagne with a lot of sugar in it. So I just want to say thank you for coming on, uh, Alex Lovingood. And um, it, it's been a true pleasure putting you back into your place, although I'm very jealous of all your uh, po uh, politician photos. Um, and uh, I'm sad to see your hair is gone, but cheers to you. Cheers to the future. Cheers uh, to a new day in America. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here, here. It, it was an honor to come on the show. Thank you, Mitch, so much. If anything, I know I have better internet than you, so. <laughs> oh, crap. That's it. The game is over. And so that means all that is left is for my Fast Five send-off. This is the top five most embarrassingly named bands that I have played in. Number five, Standing Room Only. Now, this might not be that embarrassing or funny, but I was actually in a band with this name my junior year of high school. So you get a little truth free of charge before we move on to the fun stuff. Also, I could only think of four jokes, so I had to use a real one. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, most embarrassingly named band that I have been a member of. Horse Priest. <laughs> now, this was a thrash punk band I was in that was named in honor of dear Father McCallahan, a priest who ministered primarily to the equine species. 
All right, number three. Now, this is a band <laughs> I was in that played mostly catchy, inoffensive heartland rock steeped in Americana, and we were called Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> Turns out there was already a band with that name that explored a lot of the same thematic territory. So we didn't last. Number two. Horse Priest. <laughs> This was a jazz trio that I slapped the bass for briefly in the Greenwich Village scene, and we were named after Monsignor Seattle Slough, the only horse to actually be ordained by the Catholic Church. <laughs> and number one, the number one most embarrassingly named band that I have been a member of. This was the sludge new metal death band whose dark sound and cryptic lyrics were belied by our last minute name change that saw our audiences in the single digits when we toured with Ozfest. Perhaps... We should not have named my band after one of my ex-girlfriend's dogs. That's right. We were Peanut Butter Jones and the Graham Cracker Five. <laughs> <laughs> and that does it for today's Uber Cinco grudge match. Joining us to help score all the way from Des Moines, Iowa and the Maker Me podcast was Chance Ingles. And keeping an eye on things from UBK Towers and Berwyn was Brian Ernst. The orchestrator of today's sh shenanigans, also from the Maker to Me podcast, and uh, apparently political high roller was. I hate you, Mitch. I'm Alex Lovingood. <laughs> and, and our special little guy, the big winner from the Southport Corridor in Chicago was... Mitch Brinkman. And I've been Nathan Hennenfent, and as Bizbear always says, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Alvita Zane and adios. <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.